That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to another episode of Cash Cuties, a super personal finance podcast where we look at our friends' credit card statements and judge their spending habits with love. I'm your host, Fumiabe. Steffi's not with me this week because I'm traveling and I'm in New York City, but please send her your thoughts and prayers <laughs> via DMs. She loves that. Uh, if you're listening to this on your Apple Podcast app, please leave a review, hit follow on Spotify, and sub to our YouTube channel for the video version of this podcast. All the links are available in the episode description below. Uh, we're just going to get right into it this week. Um, today's guest is a very good friend of mine. I am so excited to have her. She's a stand-up comedian, new wifey, mm-hmm. but most importantly, the co-host of Celebrity Memoir Book Club, which is a podcast where they read celebrity memoirs so you don't have to. Please welcome to the show, Claire Parker. Hello, my friend. Hello, Boomy. my friend. Uh, good to have you on you the pod. You know what? It's funny because I was thinking a lot about like my money journey in my life, and I was like, in my head, when I was rehearsing these conversations, because I'm always just having fake conversations in my head, <laughs> I kept referring to you as like a college friend. And I was like, oh, you're not a college friend. You're just somebody I've known so long that I can't believe. Like, I can't believe I've friend, been doing yeah. stand up for long enough that 10, ten years. years ago it was Woo! not college. Yeah, we were like, I probably met you when you were 22 or 3. 21. I started. Oh, when you I was, were still in college? Well, because I'm in October birthday. So I started oh, like, so it, we, it, but it. I met you right out the gate. So yeah, yes. just freshly 22 years I old. I know. Grizzly um, pear. Grizzly pear. Shout out to You the, still were working in corporate America. Yeah, I was working in advertising and I met you during, I remember when I first met you, you had just gotten your headshots. Yeah. You would just get headshots. And I remember thinking like, oh, I think you have to get headshots to make it. And then I got some. Oh my God. I have the biggest thing. advice I can give anybody. You don't fucking need headshots. <laughs> I, like, I wouldn't even say I've like made it, made it, but I have a, I have a good full-time living that I make doing comedy and content and stuff and nobody's ever asked for a headshot oh, i guess yeah, we have yeah, like yeah. content photos but like the biggest advice i could give to anybody giving stand-up i say don't like don't assume anything's coming like don't quit anything don't free up your schedule until you've missed something yes because the yes. way that i started i went to my first open mic and i was like well i have to be a waitress so that at any given minute when la comes calling i can jump on a plane and film my pilot <laughs> to this day i like i think i quit my job two or three two a little over two and a half years ago um, I think I missed four days of full-time work total for th- like extracurricular comedy things. Right, 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 right. Nobody ever wanted me in anything. <laughs> LA never called. And That's okay. Said, hey, but you made your own LA. Yeah. Which is what I want to kind of do. I made my own LA in Ridgewood. Yeah. Also, just want to um, give a quick shout out. You uh, let me promote this podcast on your show about a year ago, and it helped us get started. No way. Yeah. I remember when you had us on, we had a lot of pe- people from DMing us. We're like, oh, I heard you on Celebrity Memoir Book Club or whatever. So Hell yeah. Thank you so much for letting us do that. Oh and my God. so glad to have you um, on our show. Just for the people who may not know who you are mm-hmm. which i'm sure they do but if they don't um tell us a little bit about you know sort of like who you are and how you're making a living these days okay so i am claire parker 
it's so funny. For so long, I had so much trouble calling myself a stand-up comedian because I was making my money doing day jobs like being a temp or an admin. Yes. Or a, I was a preschool teacher for a while, and I always had this I complex. About your teacher. Yeah. Phase. Yeah, that was a two-year phase <laughs> where I was just like ruining America's future. But I was, I always had a complex about being like I can't really call myself a stand-up because that's not how I make my living. And now I do. I don't have a full-time job. My full-time job is doing the podcast, and yes. then I'm back to the same problem. Where I think of myself as a stand-up, I identify as a stand-up, but I've like had a real problem with like I have not been getting up a lot. It's like a real existential dread question for me at this point. Yeah. And now again, I feel like a fraud calling myself a stand-up comedian because I make all of my money doing the podcast. Yes. And so now, but I like something about calling myself a podcaster feels like a failure. But I also ah! it really is when people are like, I don't know, stand-up <laughs> going. I like freeze, and I'm like, you don't understand that you have just like made me question who I am, who I think I am, who I actually like. <laughs> It's so much deeper than how stand-up going. Yes, this is so relatable. I actually wrote about this, uh, not to um, toot my own horn, but they interviewed me for Vulture. And Ooh. one of the things I said was, you know, when I did Colbert, a late night set, that was the first time I felt like it was okay to tell people yeah. I do stand-up at parties. And then but that's I, because you go to parties and people say, I do stand-up. And you go, oh, like, and they're, they've done it one time at Gotham at 4 p.m. on a Saturday to 30 yes. with their closest friends. And you're like, well, I'm not you. And the difference between me and you is that I have the self-awareness to know that I'm not a stand-up. Right. But this, self, this thing of, like, but why? You yes. know, I, I want to explore that for a second because there are people I meet who are, they're not necessarily doing stand-up, but they'll be like, oh, I'm an artist or something, right? And I'm mm. like, oh, awesome. Like, can I, like, check out your stuff? And they don't have anything. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I want that confidence to just yes. tell people that you are something. I went to a party. Have, you can't even back it up. On the Lower East Side where I felt really intimidated because everyone else seemed very downtown Manhattan cool. And I like didn't really know anybody. And I was so nervous the whole time. And I like kind of went home and I was like, oh, my God, like I didn't fit in. I'm not cool. And then I started looking up who all these people were. And all of these people in their Twitter and Instagram bios called themselves comedians. And I went. Well, I don't, I don't know you. No, you're not. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit, I was insecure in this room of people who are pretending to do what I actually do. Yes, yes. I mean, I think like the bottom line is if you do it every day, whether it's at yeah. an open mic level or professional level, you can call yourself so that. that. Yeah, no, I, so I I'm not. It. <laughs> Still podcaster. Still yeah, podcaster. but that's like something I have to work. I don't know. It's, I don't, it's hard. And I really, I feel I'm at a point right now where I am like, I can't even do stand up on my podcast shows anymore yeah. because the jokes are so old. I feel so disingenuous and I'm like, I, I have to shit it off the pot, but I miss it so much because it is like my preferred like Medium. thing. Yeah. It's the only thing that every time I write a new joke and I don't know if it's going to go well and it goes well, like makes me feel that high. The dopamine. Yes. Yeah, everything like the podcast we did not to, not to toot my own, but we, we were You're in DC out. and Philly. Yeah. yeah. We did 600 people in DC and I left being like, meh. I don't know. Do you not do stand up for your? Because I went to your we first do. live show ever. So you still get to do. Yeah, but I, I'm doing old jokes and it feels so hack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, I, and I'm at the point right now where I feel like such a fraud that I can't put in the energy that I think the audience deserves. And I'm like too in my head of like, has anyone heard this joke before? And the joke of it all is, if you're just a member, an audience member, they don't know that they're supposed to be hearing your jokes every time. Right, like right, right. Like they have right, no right, problem right. with the fact that they heard it last time. Oh no, no, they don't. They care. go to a they concert, they you. hear all the songs they already know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think with comedy, there's like a limit to that. But yes. I see what you're saying. Of like, if you saw it one time last year. Yeah, like I I post my jokes on Instagram, but that's how I get followers, and then I yeah. tour, and then I sell tickets that way. And I've heard people, I've heard people. DM me and request jokes. They're yeah. like, hey, can you do your army joke? And I'm like, I haven't, I haven't done that in like two years, but Dude, sure. it's, I have the one joke that went very viral on TikTok and sometimes it's like my closer and I watch people mouth the words and I get so in my head. Wait, but that's so cool though. Yeah, but you know, as a comedian, you're like, okay, 
but they know it. The punchline is going to be less zingy if it's not like right. a shock. Right, right. The kids kind of like, I think comedians are similar to like magicians. Like mm -hmm. it's all about the element of surprise. Yeah. So if you already know it, then it's not. And also like the dopamine thing, like the addiction of getting people to laugh. I feel like for me, it really comes when I don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. So there is to me like this apex of a joke where it gets the biggest laugh it's ever gotten. Yeah. And then from then on out, even to get that same laugh, it doesn't feel as good because I know it's coming. Right, right, right. Or right, right, it feels right. worse. Yes, yes, And so, yes. like, once that joke has, like, hit for me, like, when I'm like, okay, the room, like, loved that, yeah. it never feels good again. No, of course. I. This is interesting because going back to, like, you know, you saying you can't call yourself a comedian because you feel so insecure about that. I think there's a lot of people who feel that way. I, this is interesting to me because um, I always thought people who feel like that maybe come from families where their parents were like you ain't shit you know and i don't i've met your parents they're very nice people yeah. <laughs> and i went to your wedding it was very very beautiful thank you i felt i feel like your parents have been pretty supportive i mean like oh they're so supportive my mom's an artist oh she is She's okay so let's go back to that like what what do your parents do like okay. what was the vibe so i will say up? like i joke that I almost feel like in the same way a lot of people feel pressure to become doctors or engineers there there wasn't pressure but there was this like more moral high ground of me going into a creative business. My mom mm -hmm. is an abstract artist. I didn't. My not parents know that. met when my dad was in college, and my mom was in grad school, getting her MFA in painting. Okay. And my dad was an electrical engineer who, like, I was in the majority of his money came from. He sold a tech company, so he's like an entrepreneur. Okay. And so. So that's what you're. Battling. Yeah. So to be right. like a creative entrepreneur was very much. Like, yeah, of course you go and start your own thing. Of course you forge your own path. Of course you be creative. Yeah. And it's funny, I went to Columbia, and, like, when I graduated and told people I was doing stand-up, so many people's response was, like, oh, you're throwing away your uh, degree. But I was very much raised in this family of, like, you go to college to, like, hone critical thinking and do something interesting. It's not trade school. I fucking love that <laughs> so much. Like, they were very much, like, you go to, like, meet the smartest people and, like, learn how to think the best things you can think. And then, like, you take that and you get to do something interesting. You don't have to, like, absolutely, fall in line. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... I guess there are some people who could say like, well, you know, that's like a privileged thing to no, say. No, it's but, so privileged. But but I but but I, I agree. But at the same time, I do believe people who think because you know in comedy you meet a lot of people who they go up and they're fine, but mm -hmm. then they believe in themselves a thousand percent, and you're like, what is going on? You are not good. But those people have TV shows now. Yeah. The right, and so it's like that same thing of like. You know, your parents tell you like, well, you learn how to critical think, you meet interesting people, and now you go do something that you actually want to do or passionate about. And it may not happen immediately, but you're making it happen right now because that's just the way you sort of saw life after college. Yeah. And so you sort of manifest that, you know? Well, it's a, I do feel like I didn't have that thing where I have like a time limit on me because it, whatever, I got to think of it as like a, a reasonable lifelong pursuit. Yeah. And even with all my day jobs, like I went from waitress to preschool teacher to a, my last day job, I was like admin receptionist. And it very much came from this place of like, this may take 10, 20 years. What's the thing I can do all day for 10, 20 years? Like, and yeah. I knew a lot of creatives, I think, go into freelance. They go into things that are like ad hoc. And I very quickly was like the amount of energy that I put into like the stress or the finding the next job or not knowing my schedule. I cannot sustain that. And I also was like, I don't want, I'm not some guy who can live in a basement with a roommate in my own bed, like, like eating cereal all day. I'm like, <laughs> right, 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 me, right, right, right. The switch that I made from being like making just enough to get by to enough to being able to be like, if I get into a festival in LA, I can pay to get out there kind yeah, of thing yeah. made all the difference. Yes, yes. Because I was like, I don't think I can sustain a lifestyle where all I can eat is dollar pizza for 15 years. No, and I don't think 
you know, there's like this, people romanticize the struggle mm -hmm. like that. You know, you go to New York City, you have 10 roommates, you eat dollar pizza every day. I don't necessarily think it has to look like that. I don't think it can look like that for a lot yeah. of people. Like, you know, our mutual friend, uh, Usama. Yeah, he's you know, a yeah. He's I mean, a, he is insane. He's insane, but he's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but he's going to be on TV soon. And everyone's going to know his name in like two years. He's going to be so I mean, famous. But he was somebody who was like making good money for a while and like living on that guy's couch. And I'm like, for what? What, what was he, is he making money tutoring? Is that what he was doing? No, but I feel like there was times where I'm like, you could get off a couch. It's well, been seven that, years. He still lives on that couch. So he he literally pays like two hundred dollars to yeah. live on this guy's couch in Williamsburg, and he's been doing it for seven years. But but that's like his podcast story. Yeah, and he I, loves that. I remember the Jim Carrey. I was in my own car yes. writing myself checks. I knew that I was never gonna. He was gonna make it before me because um, we did a hostel show once, and at this hostel there was a group from Europe, and they were all got pizza, and they were eating it in the kitchen. And Usama was hungry and he didn't have money. So we both go over there and he steals a pizza. And then they start yelling at us like, hey, that's our pizza. He shoves it in his mouth. And he's like, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> and I put it back. But, but that was the difference between him and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the you difference. You have to take. Yes. I yeah. can't go that far. And I do think there is something to the, if I'm on the couch until I'm a millionaire, you, you get hungrier for it. Me and Ashley, man, we're so fucking bad at business. We were just, do you want to hear, this is a money thing. Okay, yeah. We had a deal with an app that we actually use. It's the app that, it's our Discord. I'll just say it, it's yeah. Geneva app, which is how our, Geneva. it's like a girl Discord basically. Oh, okay. But so we have our members, they can sign in there and then there's like ways for them to communicate. Yeah. And we have a couple thousand people who use it to communicate amongst themselves. And it was kind of a startup. So they reached out to us and they're like, we would love to work with you. And we were feeling like bullish at the time. So we were like, well, if you want us to work with you, you have to pay us. Even though in our hearts, we were like, we've actually been looking for an app just like this. Yeah. And when it went back and forth and back and forth. And we ultimately came up with a $15,000 deal for three TikToks. Okay. And I just recently realized we never did them. <laughs> oh my God. Because, because they kept, we like tried a couple and they kept rejecting us and giving us these like really hacky things. They were like, they wanted us to do like a, Hey MTV, welcome to my crib. This is our Geneva homepage. Oh, gotcha, and gotcha, we were gotcha, like, gotcha. these are so bad. We yeah. won't do these TikToks. And every time we try to be like, well, what about this? They'd be like, no, we'd rather you do. And we were just like, we'd rather not. You know, that's okay. You made it sound like you just forgot. But this no, is, no, this no. is okay. We were like, this is okay. I think that A, you don't necessarily need that money to live because you're already yeah. making money through ads and other podcast endeavors and touring. Uh, you are at now at a place where you can make creative decisions like that. Yeah. I think if they approached you for whatever reason five years ago. Oh, it would have been insane to You would have done it. I mean, you would have done anything. I would have done. I got my tattoo costume, because I made seven hundred dollars in two months, and I thought that that was as good as it ever got. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my foot to celebrate my success. I look back, and it's so funny because a question we get all the time whenever we're interviewed is, "They're like, can you believe? Are you so shocked at the level of success you have?" And I'm like, "No, because if you knew when I thought we got successful, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think at one point we were getting three thousand listens a week, and I quit my job." Oh my god, that's not enough to even get ads. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I want to get into this yeah. because. Pod, I want to get into podcast biz because yeah. this is so fascinating. But it's also funny, can I say, when we look yes, at my yes. credit card statement, you're going to see the struggle I feel with, like, I don't even want to call it imposter syndrome, but because it's not like that I don't think I just I deserve where we're at as a podcast because I am, like, I don't know, man. Every single person chooses. Like, nobody said yes to us. Every person right. who turns in, like, each listen is somebody individually of their own accord wanting to listen, I mean, and I don't feel apologetic about it. I'm no, like, no. whatever. But uh, I do have, like the pre presentation wise so you'll see i recently we went to dc 
and I used to feel a lot of guilt about getting my hair done for shows. Uh huh. And I finally was like, you dumb bitch. 14 year olds are getting their hair done for algebra class. You're performing for 600 people. <laughs> You're allowed to like have your hair look nice. And I spent, you'll see $200 at Sephora because I had forgotten all of my makeup and like it was at the studio. I didn't have time to get it before we got on the train. And I really, it was the first time in my life where I was like, you're allowed to wear makeup to your theater show. Oh my God. And it was such like a, it's like the first time I've really let myself do something like that. I've probably spent $100 on makeup every two years. And so this was like a huge thing for me, but I was like, no Claire, you have, like you're performing for people. You have to look professional. Like what is wrong with yeah. you? You're allowed. So you're full-time podcasting now mm -hmm. and you have a studio and mm -hmm. you have some part from, you know, your business, your businesswoman. You yeah. guys are CEOs, co-CEOs. Um, you Earlier you mentioned you you quit your job when you were getting three thousand listens a week, mm -hmm. um, which is not bad, but obviously not enough to it's live off of. It's not at all monetizable. No, no, no. And you're still in the red so in terms of. I wanted to ask you, like, obviously now you're super successful and you're touring and all that, but like, when did you know to take that leap and and invest in yourself? Because that's something we talk a lot about on this podcast, whether comedy or not. There's a lot of listeners who are like. You know, we have, yeah. a, we have a listener who is in the beekeeping business, you know? I have no idea when he decided to start a bee farm. Like, I don't know how that worked. And I think a lot of people want to do it. Similar mm -hmm. to how you said you couldn't call yourself a comedian at parties. Similar to that, I think a lot of people are ready or want to be ready, but they just don't know when to pull the plug. And I didn't. I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, okay, generally. so I'm happy to talk about it because I have a lot of things and I have, like, a lot of beliefs. And I will say, like, up top, this is a finance podcast. I think something that does... Like is like a lot of privilege for me that it separates is I didn't have student loans, uh -huh. so I am like a debt free person. So I'm work I'm like starting at zero and working my way up, yeah. and I couldn't really go below zero. Yeah. And so I think that that is a freedom that I want to acknowledge. But when we quit, we were making zero dollars. It was June twenty twenty one. It was the middle of the pandemic, and there was a couple factors. One is I, as we talked about earlier, I always had this idea. My mindset was get a day job save as much as you can. And then when you turn 30 years old, I will live off of my savings and give myself one year from 30 to 31 <gasps> to see if I can make a go at stand up. And if I can't make money off of it by 31 after giving myself a full time year to try to make anything happen, then I need to like sit down and reassess my life. And like, that doesn't mean I have to Whoa. quit stand up forever. But I think like if at 30 years old, I give it one whole year and I can't get any fucking smoke or fire. But this is after 10 years of doing it. Yeah, 10 exactly. years of so practicing. So I started at 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of nine years of prepping and then one full year of going as hard as I can and it's like clear that it's not going anywhere. I can have it to the side, but I, that was going to be kind of my my sign that I need to maybe get into the creative agency. Like I need to like sure. become a copywriter. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I need yeah, to yeah, find, yeah, yeah. I need to find a different <clears throat> career path and this can always be a dream and something I'm working on, but yeah. I have to like call it quits. That's um, really intense because I, some would say that it's not fair to put a time limit. I don't know what your thoughts on that is. I agree, but I also do think um, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think I never would have quit stand-up even if it hadn't worked. I think that's something I always like would have loved doing, kept coming back to for the social life and like for the personal fulfillment. Your, yep, but yep, I, yep. Do, I did think like this dead-end job where I have a career, my day job is something I don't care about, and I'm like, you know, it's a huge sacrifice at night. Like your whole yeah. life revolves around it. If yeah. I ever wanted to have a family, like at some point I needed to like reshuffle around the priorities Yeah, and be realistic. Sure. <laughs> and I, I mean, guess I did kind of feel like, I don't know, like there is something, you, uh, there must be comedians that you know, cause I know them where you go, this is never gonna happen for you. Right, You're not right, right, funny. Right, right, right. You don't even work that, like nothing about this is gonna work out. Why don't you know? Right. 
And I kind of had that fear of like, what if that's me? Oh, I know. This would be the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Year. And I'm yeah. not saying like I could never do a bar show again, but I did have to say like, maybe at some point, you're not a contender. Yeah. At some point, yeah. you missed Olympic qualifying times nine times in a row, <laughs> and you're only getting Dude, older. But for real, that is a very like realistic and like authentic thing to, to have a conversation with yourself about that. Because as you get older, you're right. I don't want to be 37 w- waitering and and mm-hmm. and doing comedy. I mean, like, I, yeah, I still want to. I'll, I'll probably never commit comedy. I always said to myself, like, to your point. Even if I can't make a living yeah. out of it, I'm always gonna do it uh, you know, a little bit just because I like it. There's guys at the cellar who I feel like have normal jobs get passed at the cellar and then like that's kind of it. There like, was just... a guy Ethan SP. He was like a nurse, I think. Yeah. I think he quit recently, but yeah, there's a lot of people who just kind of. And I think that know. that's great. And I almost think there was times in the pandemic where I was like, if I could just get passed at the cellar or like even just at a club where I could get regular spots yeah. to work on this, like that would be, because an- there were times in my life where I was like, what is enough? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I know I need some kind of outlet. Yeah. But like. What could I survive with if, like, I, if I gave up everything? Mm-hmm. What could I keep going and feel like myself? Mm-hmm. And it was stand up at night. But so anyway, so I had this year, and then the pandemic hit, and I was at the time a receptionist. And something interesting about my old job is we went back to the office June 2020. <laughs> Literally seven months after COVID seven, broke out. Two. Oh, two. Oh wait, wait, wait. M- March, April, oh, wait, 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 May, right, right, right. and then we oh, went back. Oh my god. <laughs> Crazy. We might have even gone back in May because I quit that, June first. Not that legal. It was like they were like, we think it might be two weeks, and they're like, it might be. So we, I don't know. We had this insane CEO whose shtick was that she was like, we don't want people to think that we're afraid of the virus, and I was like, but we are. <laughs> and so we went back, and it was like this insane thing where it was like we had we cut the office in half, so half of the people would come, the other, so that nobody was sitting next to anybody. Oh but God. I was a receptionist admin, so I was alone at a desk in the front of the office. Nobody was allowed to talk to each other because you couldn't cut close. Yeah. And my my job was like booking travel and like letting people in for meetings. Mm-hmm. And of course, there was no travel, there was no meetings. So I was sitting at this desk. My one task was getting lunch for people. Uh-huh. But I couldn't even go out to get lunch, so I had to order it. So my one task a day was like going on Seamless and ordering people's lunch. And then for the rest of the time, I was there nine hours a day, five days a week. And I was like dreaming of smashing my... Like I got to the point where I was just like... <laughs> Not suicidal, but very much like, well, the point of life is gone. And like, it was right. so bad. And like, I am somebody who, bad days, good days, I feel like I am a pretty happy person. And I yeah. feel like I always do something I like. And I really, I was like, the feeling that hit me that I said I have to get out of this was I would wake up every morning, like, excited for the day to be over so that we could get, so we could just, and I was just like, I can't live my life like this. I can't live right. my life, like, excited for it to be over. Right. This isn't worth it. And um, and then we read the Matthew McConaughey memoir for the podcast, and this is the most <laughs> embarrassing fact about me. But we read R. his R. book. Rest and in it's power. Rest <laughs> in power. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh wait, sorry. Who am I thinking of? Perry. Oh yeah. <laughs> sorry. Matthew McConaughey is like all right, all right, all right. <laughs> he has okay, a okay, book okay, called okay. Green Lights, which okay. is about in your life there are things that are green lights, and that means go. And sometimes you think you're seeing a red light, but afterwards you look back and you go, that was a green light. So it's it's like very much like if a bumper sticker made a book kind of thing. Mm. But he had this chapter called Turn the Page. And the premise was, if you're not happy with your life, just turn the page. <gasps> and I was like, that's so true. <laughs> and I really was like, I can't take it anymore. And here's the thing. My old job did this thing called Profit Share, which is every at the end of July, every single employee from like me, who was a receptionist, to the top person, would get the same chunk of change. Okay, and like a this, bonus. Yeah, a bonus. So we there was a Christmas bonus and there was a July bonus, and that's how they kind of make make sure that's no one amazing. ever. Yeah, it was a good job. I mean, it was for what I wanted, which was to stack money so I could quit and get out. It was actually a great job. I had a ton of vacation. I had great health care. Like yeah. it really worked. It was a great job for me to have. Mm-hmm. 
to meet my goals. And But the thing is, there's always like another chunk of change coming. So you never really want to leave. Right, right, right. And so I actually had heard that the money we were going to get paid out that July, I think it was like $18,000. Okay, okay. And it was June 1. And I was like, my goal was just make it to the end of July and then quit. And I couldn't do it. <gasps> and it was this like Matthew McConaughey mindset of, I had $30,000 in savings that I had saved over the years yeah. with this goal of like when I turned 30, I quit. Mm -hmm. um, and I had this like mindset of like, I want I have to just believe in myself. I can't just sit around and always wait for the money. I was like, at the end of the day, if the goal was to make more money, I would be in a job that makes money. I need yeah. to like bet on myself. And I very specifically, I was like, I feel like it puts out into the universe how much I believe in myself if I do this with like confidence and against reason. And I don't know, I like turned it in my head into the symbolic thing of like, you can't buy me. Like my, what is my time worth? Like, what is my life worth? Yeah. I can't sit here miserable, like literally hitting my head against the desk yeah. for $18,000. And that's pre-tax. So like tax. <laughs> so real. Wait, at this point, how are the stats doing podcast wise? Not, this was, oh, when it was we 3, had th Yeah. So it was pretty good, but like obviously. We had not made a dollar. Right, 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 right. So me and Ashley had a deal with the podcast where the only way we were making money was through Patreon. And we had said up to $1,000 on the Patreon, it all just goes back to the company. Right, Because right. we, this is our third podcast, we did a web series one time that where we each spent like $2,500. Like we are, we're very much in the red on our comedy careers in yeah. general and on the podcast. And so we just said- This is your third podcast, right? Yeah, yeah and so yeah, we yeah. were like, well, you know, anything under $1,000, it's not really worth like divvying it up because there's so many expenses and we still want to upgrade equipment. So we'll just keep putting that back into the pool. Yeah. And then if anything over $1,000, we'll split. Yes, yes. So I quit in June. Um, we were, I think we were doing 3,000 listens and we were making under $1,000 on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. I think in July, we finally hit 100 Patreons. Okay, okay. It must have been the next July, though, because that would have been... A year from... Um, I can't remember. So this Maybe not. No. I guess that July, we hit 100 Patreons because okay. I remember posting it. Yeah. And, um, and then that September, we were able to pool together the, the post $1,000 from... July and August to pay ourselves each something like 1300 bucks. Wow. And we literally went and got tattoos. <laughs> I remember having this feeling, or maybe it's like when we hit, but like that fall we got these tattoos to be like, we are so fucking successful. It is yeah. finally all happening for us. And it was still like, not a month, like, I guess I could pay rent because I had a freakishly low rent, but I mean, you can't live off of $1,300 every no, two months in New York City. No, but no. I had this feeling, I just like, that's why I got the tattoo because I was like, never for, I felt invincible i felt unstoppable in a way that was like yeah drug induced see this is a th interesting about money we always talk about this on the show there is such an emotional com component to money and it has nothing to do with the amount that yes. money you made 1300 from your own fucking sweat and your sweat and blood just everything you made that on your own and that was like symbolic in a way so i totally understand how you could feel invincible to you that was a million dollars i mean it really felt like to not be coming up red to be able to pay for anything with money we had earned. It was insane. The year before, we always do a Christmas party. And one year it was like, we got hot chocolates at this famous hot chocolate place. And then that the Christmas before we had gone to this, it's called Le Crocodile in Williamsburg. And it's kind uh -huh. of like a fancy restaurant. And all the money we had collected, we could put towards that dinner. And that was like all of the money we had made that year. So it was like $150. Yeah. But something about being like, this was a free dinner. It was like, we were like, this is amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Now, okay, I, I want to ask you this because recently, I cannot say the name, but a good friend of mine, uh -huh. they're, they have a very big podcast. They are splitting mm -hmm. because they just didn't work out with the host. Uh, I feel a lot of things in entertainment 
don't last forever, especially if you work with somebody else. It's not because you can't be friends, but it's just, that's just how it is. You know, think of every band you loved in high school. None of them are together except Weezer. That's mm-hmm. literally Weezer and Foo Fighters. Only we, band. Saw, we saw Weezer this summer. You did? Actually, <laughs> at Forest Hills, that. baby. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> um, so sometimes I think, and, and these guys are making pretty good money, and they were full time, one person bought a nice car, it was a whole thing, and then... And now she is looking for a new job. And now, of course, like there's some, you know, ad revenues that's going to be paid out and they're doing okay. But I feel like sometimes entertainment, not to bring it down, but, you know, shit doesn't last forever. And, um, you know, you ever think about that as and, and if so, what are you doing anything right now that is, quote unquote, smart with the money to sort of you know, prepare for our future? Or are you just like, rock and roll, baby, let's just live it up, and then we'll figure it out later. Kind okay, of so is the question, are we worried about breaking up, or is the question, are you it's worried about that nothing up. lasts it, forever? It's, it's nothing lasts forever, right? So it's yes. not about you and Ashley breaking up. It's, okay. more, it's more just like, hey, it could be that three years from now, people just don't want to hear this anymore. You know, so it we could, are 100%, it could I mean, happen. you know, the thing you're filming with us on Thursday, on Saturday, we are actively pursuing other entire new mediums and like other projects together. Yes. I think Ashley has started a second podcast just to like have other things in the air. I want to get back into stand up so that I always have yes, that. Yes. We're going to start our new, we're, we had tried to start a newsletter. We got kind of lazy with it. We're bringing our newsletter back. And then also we're starting a whole new series that we're excited to like bring out in January to try to like expand. More podcasting? Um, no, it's a it's a YouTube interview YouTube series. series that great, kind of great. will be more off the cuff, not book reading, but very like chicken shop dating. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean, like that kind of thing. So more interview style questions yes. that could ap- open up more interviews. But we are very aware that like one, I don't know how long we can read books a week. It's very time consuming. Oh no, but I mean, and you earlier like I, I feel bad I can't devote more time into writing jokes with my fans. I'm like you're reading a goddamn book a week. That's great. I read like one book every six months, dude. Yeah. This, this, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> I don't know but we are we're trying to like get more projects going because I do think you always have to be expanding I mean Taylor Swift however you feel about her she had this thing in Miss Americana where if you want to be a woman (laughs) in the public eye you have to constantly be reinventing yourself in ways that feel familiar but are new and like I do believe (gasps) that and something so interesting I saw about an an influencer I recently saw someone talk about Tinks I don't know if you guys know her however Tinks Tinks yeah I don't know she is a controversial influencer but something I saw somebody comment about why they didn't like her is they go I really liked her when she first came out but I've listened to her radio show and she's always saying the same old thing. I miss the old Tinks. Mm. And I was like, this is such a funny example of the Miss Americana thing because they're saying they hate who she's become because who she's become is who she always was. And they miss the old her because she's still saying the same. Th- like, it doesn't even make sense. Right, right, right. And what they mean is they miss like. And so it's hard. You do always have to have something new. Is th- are they saying that they miss back when it was fresh? Yeah, I think they miss hearing it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. They miss like who she was to them when she was saying something they hadn't heard. But that doesn't mean she's changed. The problem is that she hasn't changed right. or she changed too much. The fact that Dude. she stayed stagnant to them says she changed, but then yes. you have to change in a way that feels reasonable. I, don't know. I, I love this because you're basically thinking like a CEO, right? Like plateauing is bad. Yeah. So yes, you're growing or whatever, but you have to come up with new products now. Like if you're an, Steve Jobs, you're like, sweet, we have a computer. Now we need an iPhone, iPod, yeah. whatever, right? So you're like, kind of, that's so smart. Also, I feel like, man, this is like a, not to shit on LA, but I feel like this is, you and Ashley are so inspiring to me uh, as comedians, but also as like New Yorkers, because I feel New Yorkers are all about the work. Yeah. We're fucking, we're doing the work. Even if it's not netting us a lot of good stuff, it's like we're, we're going to put the work in. 
and I feel LA is very much like vibes first. Yes. And I'm not saying that that is bad because no, sometimes saying- you can get stuff through vibes. I also, I think I lack vibes sometimes. Oh, I, my new theory about me is like my comedy origin story is that I have a bad vibe. <laughs> and people just don't like me when they meet me. So I had to be like, no, 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 no. I'm so I swear to God, dude, like this is like, and the, and the fact that, you know, it's so interesting. Like the, the I, I just feel like a lot of people in LA are just like vibes first and they'll get, yeah. some people go really far. Some people don't get anything, but <laughs> I I I, uh, I I know WeWork is uh, filing for bankruptcy, but I, I they were doing this ridiculous deal. So I signed up for this WeWork membership for six months, where I paid like a little over hundred bucks to access all their offices, and I actually use it when I'm on the road because oh that's smart. I mean, the on like, the road yeah. shit is a nightmare because I, I can't work in the hotel, and yeah. sometimes they won't let me check in, so I'll just go to WeWork. That's and then, the worst when you show up. At, like, oh, not, the worst. There have been days where I'm like, I'm only here for the time I cannot access a hotel, and. Check it out at like three or four. You got to show at seven. Like what? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like exactly. what, what, what I mean. I got here at noon. Yeah. And even if I had bought for the night before, I would have had already. Le- like I don't. I'm here from noon. I need a place till five. Exactly. I'm not paying 250. Exactly. It's crazy. There's a wellness. This is a little life hack. There's a wellness room at every WeWork. It's like windowless. It is a lot of like little couches, and it's very nice. I go in there, take a goddamn nap. Good. And I go to the hotel. Anyways, um, I I was at WeWork in New York yesterday. And I go to the WeWorks a lot in LA. In LA, people, by 5 p.m., there's no one at the WeWork. But yesterday in New York, people, it was packed at 5. Because people are just fucking working, you know? Yeah. It's just a different fucking mentality. So I, I love just saying, this, I, I love hearing that you're like innovating Well, it's stuff, but that's like one of the complexes I have is that I'm never working hard enough. And me, this is something me and Ashley used to kind of like bicker about is I'm, we work about the same amount of hard, but I feel guilty that I'm not working harder. Yes. And... She um, is always like, well, wasn't that the goal that we didn't have to kill our like we could have a living without killing ourselves? Yeah. But I will say now that we're on the road and now that we're touring and we've added these other things, I'm for the first time in my life. I'm like, OK, we're putting in because now we're having in order to get ahead on episodes, we have to record like two episodes a week sometimes. Right. So we're reading two books, recording two episodes. And then we're also doing the Patreon. Plus, sometimes we'll do a bonus episode and then we're on the road doing tour like and we're doing other podcasts and we have a lot of like for the first time I'm like oh I'm busy like kind of all day now right I mean when you search for Patreon mm-hmm. what are you guys doing on this but more episodes more books not more books but we will like watch a TV show read an article and that's one of those things that seems so easy but when you are like I'll be like oh I'll watch all of Selling Sunset and I'm like okay that is 10 hours that I have to like sit and pay attention like, and you have to write funny shit yeah. Think of funny shit. Oh my god, that's so much work. But that made, that made, I mean, it totally makes sense why you guys are so successful because oh, you, you put on the work. I will say one thing I res- like I am proud of is I'm like nobody can say we're not putting shit out. Like we like do oh, churn yeah. out. We take two weeks off a year. We've <laughs> never we've never missed a Patreon in three years. That's crazy. I, I mean, had a Patreon the week of my honeymoon go out. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. We I recorded mean, the Sunday after my wedding. So how does that? So you're married now. Yeah. Has that ever? come between you and your husband because your husband has a regular job in finance you work mm-hmm. these crazy hours because not only are you on tour but you're reading these books you're doing podcasting you're doing my podcast like how does that i, I think the appeal of comedians dating other comedians sometimes yes, is the, the lifestyle schedule right and it's hard to explain that to somebody because my schedule is it. the opposite of a day like we are touring on the weekends yes at night when that's he's when, free yeah and yeah. that has so when we first got together, it was actually perfect because, like, you know, he was an analyst. He was, like, the one above an analyst. He was working till 11 p.m. every night. Anyway. Oh finance. And it was, Shout like, out. perfect because I would get out at 6, go do two or three mics, do my show, and then I'm, he lived on the Lower East Side. I'd meet him back. We'd meet at his apartment at 11, and yep. it was, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, like, that is one of the things that's hard now. We live a little bit further from, like, a lot of the stand-up. I used to live right off the L in Williamsburg. 
Now we live in bed It's a little bit harder to get everywhere. I don't get to see him as much. And like... <gasps> we just got married like a month ago. I know, but we're both like... We're both on the road constantly. After our honeymoon, we went like two weeks without seeing each other. Because... How is that? It's... Hard. It's like I mean sometimes I like it's hard. Like I miss him, but it's hard because then it's like to prioritize him. It's like every like it's Sunday, so I can't see anybody else Sunday now. You know what I mean? It yeah. is like, and it's also probably exciting for you because you're like doing the road yeah. on a large scale for the first time. Because yes. I remember the first one you ever did in LA was like in this little bar, the yeah. Virgil. Oh my god, hundred people. I was. It was uh, yeah. It was amazing. The one before but that, was that how we did you was started. The, yeah, and like before that was the gutter. Um, where we had to take the own, our own tickets because Jack Comstock didn't think we needed a ticket taker. For I remember show. you saying I can't even get in touch with venue X Y Z, even though we can. Sell, like I, and now look at you fucking yeah. doing Sony Hall. Yeah. you're doing these big it's ass in, theater. I mean, it, I have to say there have been when we did the Howard Theater in DC and when we did Sony Hall in New York. Yeah, me and Ashley went in there and we're such fucking dumb bitches. We show up. We we wore I Heart New York shirts that we just like bought on the way to the venue because we thought that would be like a funny outfit to wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we took the subway and then we got in there and like the Sony Hall is down the stairs and it feels like you're in the Titanic or something. It's okay. super fancy. Something that always fucks with me is when like a room has a ton of staff. So it's a 550 person room that we had sold out and like there's a staff meeting with like 50 people and there's two tech guys and there's a general manager and like there's multiple green rooms and me and Ashley were like, Oh my god! You're in your tourist t-shirts. <laughs> We're literally wearing an, an iHeart New York shirt that I ripped with my hands to make it sexier. And this is when we literally looked at each other. We were like, "Should we have done our hair for this?" Like, we like each had eyeliner that we got from CVS. And like, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we should have gotten a photographer. Like, other people have full videographers for this shit, and we're just yeah. like on our phones taking a photo. Be like, look at the audience. This is crazy. And I think it is stuff like that where we are so conscious of, you know, in the comedy world, there's the per there's the type of comedian who takes more photos of themselves doing stand-up than makes jokes kind of thing. Yes. And I think you strive to never be them, but they're, there's a reason they're doing that. It's because you have to, like, we struggle with the balance of, like, l what promotion we deserve. I mean, Mac, my husband, yeah. we had Patrick Stewart on the podcast the other day. I saw that. And n nobody knew. Because we didn't announce that we didn't promote it. We just, at the end of the podcast, I go, I wonder what he thinks about this. Well, I guess we'll ask him. And now Patrick Stewart. And everybody thought it was like a bit that we were like <laughs> joking. And it was, but it, and Matt goes, why didn't you promote that? Claire and I go, well, I honestly didn't think it would like bring us new listeners. I don't think anybody would listen to us or Patrick Stewart. He goes, yeah, but you can still tell people like the types of things you're doing oh, so that they 100%. understand where you're at in your career. This is the LA I, vibe shit I'm talking about. I literally about. go, I hadn't even considered that. That's a really good point. God, how many people are on your team? It's just you and Ashley? Yeah, you no, have we have a, a producer or no, no, like no, 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 a. No. We have an editor. Have you thought about getting someone who to think about all that shit so you well, don't have to? So we have an agent. We have a touring agent who I love at. We went last yeah, but year. They're, but they're not going to get you a photographer and no, stuff. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, we recently signed with a manager. I don't know what that'll do for us mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely our own fault. It's also so, I mean, this is the money thing is we're kind of like, you see how much it costs. Like our manager will be like, hey, we found this videographer in Boston, it's $5,000. And you're like, well, that's how well, much that's, you make if you sell right, out. Right, 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 right. I didn't go to Boston to come back empty handed to and, tell people I went to Boston. Yeah, and, and for you guys, it's tough because you do have to split everything halfway. Yeah. So like if you were doing it alone, you might be like, mm, I can and find like someone for free. And like 10% goes to the manager yeah, yeah. and then 10% goes to the agent. agent. Right, right, right. And then the manager is like, well, the 10% cut you give me, I found this list of people that you can't afford. And so, and then you divide and you're like, uh, yeah. plus if I get a sweet green. So I, that's, that's something we think about a lot because like we have some money coming in from like random dynamic ads and Patreon and some mm. other shit that we do. People sometimes Venmo us money, which please keep doing that at the Fumiabe. We love that. Mm. But we literally like, 
the other day we just bought a second camera because we're like we have to invest so we got that but now we're like back down to zero dollars because the camera was like a thousand dollars you know cameras are so expensive they're so expensive but it's like we use it every week like why not you know and um but that's the thing of like do we keep investing even if we go in the red because we believe in ourselves we're like what you know i I think i always struggle with that and it sounds like that struggle never ends because obviously you guys have enough money to make a living now but you're still having these combo of like should we take pictures? You know what I mean? Like, and then is every time you hire somebody, it's so hard to hire somebody to do something you've always done yourself. Yeah. Because you're kind of like, well, am I getting my money value out of this? And then you're like, it's not exactly right. Like, I should just keep doing it myself. Like, and then it's the question of, well, with all this time I just bought myself, am I doing something that's more valuable mm-hmm, than that mm-hmm. $50 an hour? Because our yeah. thing is that everyone who works for us will pay, we don't pay less than $50 an hour. Because yeah, we try to be like yeah. good bosses or of whatever. Of course, of course. But uh, th- that is like an amount of money where I'm like, what, what did I do this hour that b- yeah. brought in another $50 that made hiring, outsourcing it worth it? You know what's so funny? I, I have a secret to tell you. Mm-hmm. So last year when we hung out, I think I was like, so I... I left my job at Corden in like, in like June. So it had been like maybe six months. And this is like right kind of maybe five or four months before the writer's strike. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I remember every time I'm in this weird state in between jobs, I, I spiral and I just get back on LinkedIn. I, I get back on LinkedIn and I apply to like UX job, like whatever. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember I was like interviewing for like a consumer insights project, went to the final interview. I don't think I ended up getting it because I kept talking about comedy too much. And I think they were like, this guy's not going to work. But I keep doing that because I like have a, I have trouble like believing that something will come if I keep doing well, shit. Well, also everything, we've seen people get to what we thought was a height that was sturdy and then fall back down. Exactly. Nothing is forever. Nothing is forever. And Okay, right. so I have two things to say. One, if people are out there being like, do I take the leap? What you just said is always what I say to them. I go, worst case scenario, if you're like, I hate my job, I'm just a bartender, I've like, I feel like it's a dead end job and I want to like pursue this other thing, blah, blah, blah. I go, do you think you can't be a bartender again? I can always go back to the job I had. Right, right I was right. a receptionist. I can be a receptionist again. <laughs> Ashley was a copywriter. And it's funny, we always talk about like the nepotism of supportive parents. Like, yes. And so we talk about like the real difference between me and Ashley is her parents were much more cautious and they're like, is there a real career here? Whereas my parents are very supportive and that makes a material difference, even if there's not like a, fi- it's not a connection things or a financing, but not having to explain yourself at every step of the way, it gives you such a leg up. And so, so she always had parents who were like, well, what if this falls apart? Like, how will you ever go back to your job? And she was like, don't you understand? I'm, I was a copywriter for Instagram. The fact that I built a business from scratch based on my own voice that has like hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, yeah. 50,000 followers on Instagram, yeah. millions of downloads. Yeah. That is like a more impressive resume builder than right. anything I was doing working for a Sheets 100%. company. And it's so <laughs> it's like you are either Sheets developing company. skills or you can, for the most part, you can go back to something. Maybe if you have some incredible finance job, like yeah. you won't go right back in. But like the years of work you did beforehand don't go nowhere. And then there's always something that you will get hired doing. And then like you are skill build. If you're honestly working at something, you're not doing nothing. You're skill building. And you can take those skills 100%. and apply them to something else. Okay. But the secret part, this is the secret part. And actually. I was wondering. I was like, okay. Okay. But the, the conversation I had with you changed what my decision. I was literally going to ask you. If I could help you do video for your podcast for money. Oh, because you helped me. I would, would have hired you to do that. I, but we were talking and you were like talking about your podcast and you were like so inspiring. I decided not to ask you in that moment. And I'm there like, you. I'm going to just do my thing. Hell yeah. I and swear look, to God, I was literally going to ask so you. Funny. And I was like, I don't know how it works because I don't even live here, but I don't know. Like no, I can do video shit for you. Yeah, it'll but, be on you know, Dropbox. But like. Yeah, I was literally, that's not why I asked you to hang out, but I was literally going to ask you that. And I changed my mind mid-conversation. 
And I never told you that. Well, <laughs> can I say, it had even occurred, even as you were telling me that, it didn't occur to me that you would only ask to hang out because of that until you were like, and that's not why I wanted to hang out. And I was like, oh, is that why we wanted to? I was like, oh, there's a facet of the hang. I didn't even, and then you were like, but that's not the only reason I called you. And I was like, oh, I guess that was the only oh reason he called God. me. I want to talk about the finances of weddings, okay? Because this is something I see some of your listeners. Uh... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I DM'd us about, they were like, you should have Claire on talking about the finances of weddings. And nosy I, bitches. Nosy bitches. Now, we don't have to get to crazy shit, but no, like. I mean, I'm happy. Listen, honestly, it is like, the, if you emailed them, they would tell you. It's not oh, like. Oh, yeah. A, well, I was looking, okay, I don't know anything about weddings. I'm not married, mm-hmm. but I did read that the average New York City wedding expect to spend between 15 to 90K on a full service venue i also found some data on the average wedding cost in 2022 in different in different states and is that venue does that count like photographer flowers music or is that just the venue i don't know what full vent i don't know what full service because normally a full service venue it like comes with bar food wait staff venue but like they don't necessarily come with a DJ. They don't come with flowers. Ooh. Like, if you want to decorate it, that's like, what does your dress cost? Right, like, right, 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 right. Photographer, right. no venue comes with a photographer. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think it could be either or. But, like, where where do you stand on, like, how much you spend on your wedding? How how'd you finance? Are you happy? Yeah. It's so funny. I, like, did a – I got stuck in an L.A. airport for, or a Vegas airport for hours after my wedding. So I did a little question box. And the number one question I got was, do you wish you had eloped? And I'm like, that's so rude. <laughs> I'm literally on my honeymoon, and you're first thing you, you're coming to me on the day of my honeymoon, go, going big regrets, huge mistake, thousands of dollars flushed down the toilet. Right, 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 right. I was right. like riding high. Um, firstly, I want to say I don't regret my wedding. Second of all, my parents paid for my wedding. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a secret I'll tell you on the pod. Okay. My dad thinks he paid for all of my wedding. He thinks, mm-hmm. but he won't listen to this, I'm sure. <laughs> but okay, so my wedding had two parts. So. I had. <laughs> go ahead. I don't know why. I just thought of Usher Confessions Part One, Part Two, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> two parts. <laughs> go ahead. So these are my confessions. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I had a ceremony dinner party, like for close friends and family, and then my husband's from Canada. So my kind of thing was, if you flew, like you get a, you know what I mean, like. But a lot of the people we invited were just from New York City. There right, were people right. that you know, I don't. We're close. I feel like if I had been like, oh, come sit down for, t-. like, you know what I mean? There was a lot of people that I got to invite that if I had had a very formal, every single plate was $400 mm-hmm. or whatever, I you probably wouldn't have made the list. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but I was very happy to have you come celebrate and dance and buy. Like I said, yeah. I was like, there's a lot of people I want to buy a drink. There's not a ton of people I need to see my dad cry. Sure. And that sure. was kind of the division. <laughs> That's a good quote. And so the way that we did the, the dinner part is we rented out a backyard of an Italian restaurant in Carroll Gardens. Uh-huh. 
which does a lot of like wedding type events and you they have an area where you can do the ceremony and then you they can seat up to 100 people for the dinner i didn't i only did 88 because i wanted to keep it as slow as possible yeah and it is, it's one of those things where in your head you're like, oh, what's going to be 50, 60 people? And then you start adding up cousins. And if your cousin's married, you're like, oh, my God. How did yeah. It? But I invited 10 friends to the wedding. Okay. So I was, to me, I was basically like the people at the dinner is like a, it'd be like bridesmaids. Like whoever would have been in the wedding party almost. Right, I didn't right, do right. bridesmaids. but 10 I'm like, count the bridesmaids? I didn't have bridesmaids. Oh, you didn't have bridesmaids. Okay, so okay. essentially it was like a rehearsal dinner. It right, was like right, 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 right. family and like immediate friends. It was still 88. Yeah. Because Mac had a lot more people. Matt, well, Mac has, unfortunately, a group of friends where there is a top 18 men. What the hell does that mean? It means he's like, I have 18. He, at one point, when we were early dating, he told me if we had a wedding with a bridal party, he thinks he would have had 18 groomsmen. He has 18 best friends? Yes. That's disgusting to it's, me. He <laughs> yeah, it was insane. And then I remember at that point, he goes, I don't think we'd have to invite my aunt and uncle. So I'm like, okay, so in your idea of this wedding, <laughs> you're, up, you're standing at the altar with 18 men. And then just like your parents are in the pews. Like, I don't, <laughs> who else would be there? We can't have every single guest stand. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. we ended up doing no bridal party. Um, we stood up there with our siblings. And then basically whoever would have been in the bridal party kind of got invited. But the problem was anybody for him that was like on the edge, you kind of had to invite to the dinner right, because right, they're all right. coming from Canada. Whereas I have a lot of people, I told him like no work friends, basically. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he couldn't invite anybody from work because mm -hmm. I was like, once you invite one person from work, then you end up die everyone from work and right, they're all right, in right. Manhattan. Just yeah. have them fucking meet us for the after party. Yeah. Yeah, Cause yeah, I don't yeah. feel bad not giving you dinner if you didn't even fly. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So anyone who traveled, so, but we didn't give them plus ones because I'm like, 18 boys, you give them all plus one, that's 36 people. That's, that's a third. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm yeah, trying yeah, to give yeah. this, yeah, that would have been half the guest list or whatever. So it was small and we did dinner. And that venue, I did it, I think I rented it out from like five to nine, but you would have gotten, I could have had it from like, most people do six. To like 11 or 5 to 10 or something with the idea it's like one hour for the ceremony and then you could do a cocktail hour and then like three hours for dinner or yep, something yep, yep. but because we had the second venue i kind of cut it short so yep. we were there from five to nine and i think their thing was for 100 people to do a full buyout the food and beverage minimum was 30k okay and that comes with all the drinks all the food and for our 88 people we actually had to add a couple extras to hit the food and beverage minimum oh wow okay yeah and then i think that also like and then there was a couple of taxes and fees, but I would say all in all, I think it did come out between like thirty five and forty thousand dollars. Just including, for that first venue. Yeah, but but what you just read, fifty K for like you know what I mean? Like that's actually yeah. not a bad deal. That's not bad, yeah. If you think cause a lot of these venues are like thirty K and you have to rent all the tables and chairs and everything. Like because it's a restaurant, you don't have to rent anything. All the food's right, already right, there, right, all right. the alcohol is included, all the services included. Yes. Also, a lot of people forget that in New York City, I've been to like a couple of weddings in New York City, and you're right, they do do it at like cool restaurants. Like you did it at like Pony Boy. I, I went to a restaurant, like, uh, sorry, I went to a wedding like in, in Bushwick one time. It's, it's a lot cheaper that way yeah. because if you, like, there was a venue in like Long Island City, and a lot of them will be like 15K for a space. And okay. you think, okay, well, I'll just like piecemeal rent everything, that'll be cheaper. And then you look into rental costs, and it's like a dollar, two dollars a fork. You're talking about. <laughs> to I'm, I'm really? literally not kidding. And a lot of people are now just buying things off of like Alibaba and stuff. But if you get an empty venue, when you start renting chairs, tables, because you have to rent. You're like producing a comedy show at this point. And, it's, and it <laughs> Lights, costs another DJ. like 34. Like, you could not believe the expense of rentals and stuff. Wow. So to have it all there and for it to be all in to do a full wedding yeah. with food, beverage, service, everything, and be like it was like 36 to that's 40K not, that's not is bad. actually that's really not, not bad, bad. Not for bad. New York City. And I recognize yes. in other parts of the world, whatever. But like, I mean, the Bowery, I think I asked them. The what bar, it bar room? 
No, but there's a Bowery Hotel. Oh, okay, they yeah, have yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. on their second floor. They, I did a bunch of cost analysis. I've, like I run out to a couple of places that you see people get married. Yeah. And a lot of them are like 60k minimum. That doesn't oh include anything. Oh my god! So you're definitely going to 100 with like food, everything. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, god. I think the White Hotel, where a lot of people get married, is 100k for 120 people. That doesn't count bar or like that doesn't count. No, it's a hundred people wedding. Is that big or small? Um, is I that think medium? what you came and saw, I think I had probably 135, 140 at Pony Boy. Yes. So I think a lot of weddings are like 120. No, that, that Pony Boy thing, mm-hmm. part so two. So that was the thing. So then I had a part two wedding. Yes. Where then we rented out a bar. And this is where I lied because I did, I again, cost analysis a lot of the things mm-hmm. and pony boy was the first place i wanted to go to i emailed them in march of 2022 i got engaged in june of 2022 so i was just like okay i know what i want and it's this <laughs> and they came back with a number that i went well that's just too much fucking money and so then i went around to the, all the other bars and the other bars i looked at were so much cheaper so in new york city in williamsburg there's a nikki's unisex blinkies you can get for like 7k and rent it out just to rent it out for a night on the open bar for your friends. Wait, 7K? Mm-hmm. That's nothing. That's nothing. For open bar for all of your friends in a, like a prime Williamsburg. Yes. And you get, So that's really not bad. And then of course you have to tip and stuff. But so um, I like kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And honestly, thank God I went with Pony Boy because the other places had like outdoor areas. And the day of my wedding, it was like rainy and hot and disgusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what we really wanted was like a dance party. And I was, a lot of the venues we looked at, it was like you could have a backyard for chatting or a dance room for dancing and I said you know what everything I read online was like if you want people to dance give them no option but dance mm-hmm. so I was like I want to go with Pony Boy Pony Boy is already so pretty like you know I, mean? I didn't have to deck I didn't bring a thing to Pony Boy and they had a kitchen there too right so they, they had, have they a kitchen food. they had yeah. food so they came back with a price that I think they kind of like pulled out of their butt being like you won't pay this and they're like it'd be a lot and I'm like well weddings are a lot and they came at me and they go 30k and I was like that's too much but then it was like 30k included the tip it included all the food it included security it included unlimited mm-hmm alcohol and everything and then it also included the dj oh and i was there i got it for the they were open for me till 4 a.m and i could have gotten there at 6 p.m and so it is still like crazy but it was like i think for new york city i i don't so regret total 60 is a little above 60 yeah 65 or something like that. yeah but that's so here's not, the that's, lie that's is i knew that because pony boy was so much more expensive than the other places i looked at i felt that to ask for that from so the problem that i have with my parents were um, they, my dad really, really wanted to pay for the wedding yeah. and I appreciated that, but they never gave me a budget and I am not somebody who like wanted the most expensive wedding. I did my own flower. Like I'm not somebody who was like, I needed to have mm-hmm. be over the top, blah, blah, blah. But I, they also had no idea what weddings cost. Mm-hmm. So I was like priced analyzing everything to get them like the cheapest version of stuff. And it's like, if I had had double the budget, I would have had the exact same wedding. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I love my wedding so mm-hmm. much, but I don't think they realized when I was coming at them with things that actually this is just what it costs to have a bus take people from venue A to venue. Like buses are expensive. Yeah. Photographers are expensive. Like they had like they were shocked at the first floral quote we got, which was 13k, and we ended up not going with the florist. So are they shocked because I mean the last time they got married was like in the 80s, 80s. and right, I think so their whole wedding cost about 10k. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they're like going what? And so they think when so not my dad really, but my mom would say things like like think when I'm coming to her like okay well the florist I asked at thirteen thousand dollars she thinks I'm coming in like a princess and I was just like no I think that's just like what New York City florals cost and a lot of florists won't even take anything below 10k because they're like I can get a different wedding and like right. it's just insanely expensive yeah like why would a bouquet cost $400 for a bride I don't know I ended up just getting flowers from down the street I didn't care like, <laughs> like some deli like a bu- well the bouquet <laughs> to me was like the least important thing in the whole wedding because you hold yeah. it for like 10 minutes yeah 
and it doesn't contribute to vibe. <laughs> I was like, the flowers on the table, people are sitting, it like creates an aura, there's an ambiance, yes. but I'm yes. like, the thing I hold for 10 minutes has nothing to do with anything. But like, I don't think they knew, but so a frustration we had at the beginning of planning is they would be, I would be like, well, what is the budget? And then I will stay within the budget and make cuts like I know what the order priorities are to me and mm -hmm. I will cut things that are not big priorities mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. But the problem is my mom is like an artist and I feel like she had a very like piecemeal way of looking at things where she would just look at something and be like, that seems to me too expensive for what that is. Mm -hmm. But then if you looked at the overall idea of what we were spending, you're like, yeah, but we're, we're not getting a florist. So we just saved $13,000. Right, right, right. So right, right. even if this pot cost 40, like, oh, so I, I sourced a bunch of like crystal candle holders for all the things. And it turns out at most thrift stores on the East Coast, they're going to be about 10 to $12. And she would like look at bunches of them where you could get like 10 for $120 and be like, yeah. that's too expensive for candles. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not when you consider the fact that we're saving $13,000 on decor. Right, 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 right. And I feel like because she, and so like she would hear what a bus costs and be like, that's crazy. I'm not paying that. But then I'm like, yeah, but if you, what do you think is reasonable to spend on a wedding? This is a line item. Like, do you know what I mean? It's one of those things where I'm so like, this is You have to wedding. run each item by your parents to be like, hey, this well, is. Well, yeah, it was very, it's so funny because she would always tell people, she's like, it's Claire's wedding. She's doing all the work. And I'm like, no, I had to run everything by, yeah, yeah. because, well, it is like a bus, a charter bus. It's like multiple thousands of dollars. Right. To go from your And so I'd be like, okay, here's two. the bus yeah. I found. And they look at the price and she'd be like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, but like. To me, it's very like, and, it's, and then we would have fights like, well, if we get a bus going only one way, and then my dad was like, what if we gave everybody a lift? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like little things. Yeah. But I get that when you hear a charter bus is twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars, you're going, that's an insane price. But then the thing is, if you go, <laughs> well, if we spend seventy five thousand dollars on the wedding, like that's what it's coming. Do you mean I think there's yeah, certain things yeah. that make sense? You go, yeah, the venue costs a lot of money. Yeah. The photographer costs a lot of money. Why would the bus cost money? But you're like, that's what but, makes a wedding but expensive. But you're busing eighty eight people. Well, okay, so no, because we took the subway. Like, 50 of us took the subway, so I only... Oh, so bus And then actually, 30, here's 40. a... Not to, like, shade my parents, but because it was such a point of contention for us. And, of course, it has nothing to do with the bus. It had to do with, like, her problems with the fact that her sister kept being like, well, how am I going to get around New York? Like, a lot of extended family was mm -hmm. like, you want us to go to New York City? Yeah. We're going to die! <laughs> I mean, on all sides of the family, I had the... The dual feedback of on the one hand, like we're nervous about going to Brooklyn, it's going to be so dangerous, and also we just looked into the prices of a hotel in Brooklyn and we can't afford it. Right, right, right. And you're right, like, right. okay, so you're worried about being like you're worried about getting robbed in Brooklyn. You're, you can't afford to be here. But like, what is like? <laughs> do you know? What I mean? yeah, There's a yeah, lot of yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. where are we going to park? And you're like, I don't, I yeah. don't know, man. Yeah. A million people commute into the city every day. Like, yeah. take a trip. I don't know. Figure it out. And yeah. so, of course, like the bus thing was really coming from this place that she was so anxious that if she didn't provide exact transportation for everybody, then people wouldn't, like, nobody would know how to call an Uber. There was a lot of big thing about how, like, nobody on both sides of my family, like, would download Uber, because they were like, <laughs> we don't, how could that work? I mean, sometimes you gotta pay for convenience, yeah, and, and I so, think 2500 is a cheap price for, yeah, just exactly. have zero complaints, right? Exactly. No issues, no issues. But, like, and I get that you go, to rent a bus for two, for two hours? How could that be possible? But the thing is, like, it's always like, well, you can't run it for two hours because the minimum hours is five. So you're technically paying for five hours, even though you're only using it. And then to me, it was really important that we had enough transportation to get from venue one to venue two. Because in my mind, I'm like, listen, a wedding in Arkansas, you're expected to get yourself there. Right, right. But if the weird thing I am doing is taking people from South Brooklyn to North Brooklyn, yeah. which is like a 35 minute commute mm -hmm. in the middle of the event after like it's a real buzz killer. And I think it's important. 
that like the we party, make it party easy. going. Yeah, 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 yeah. And because I had the stream of taking the subway and we did it, so a lot of us just took the subway, the G train from point yes, A to point B. Yes, well, you took pictures in there stuff. Yeah, right? okay, but that's and cute. like all of us, and it was really fun, and like it was kind of like a fun vibe. But um, for like I get a lot of people were like, no, just take me there. Mm, yeah, of course. And so I was, my mom was like, well, if we only pay for one, which one do we pay for? And then, so here's the kicker: is because of this huge fight I had with her, um. I, I like price compared every limousine company in New York City and I found the cheapest one by a mile. And I okay. found I was gonna do sprinter vans in front of a bus. So I was gonna do three sprinter vans going to the venue and then two sprinter vans going to the second venue. And it was $300 or like $320 per van. So it came out to $1,600 total for five vans for uh -huh. every done. And that felt like a great Cheap. deal. You saved $1,000. Yeah. Saved $1,000. Rehearsal dinner. My wedding planner comes to me and goes, okay, don't freak out, but. Your Sprinter van company, they got into a car accident today and they will, they've will they lost the license for the entire company and they won't be able to pick you up tomorrow. <laughs> and she goes, I just need from you authorization to do whatever it takes to find you a bus for tomorrow. And I go, take my credit card. I don't care. Just go do it. Yeah. At that point, I'm like, well, oh, it's too late. Yeah. And so I looked at the charge. I think I ended up getting charged $2,450 for okay. whatever we got the next day. Yeah. And then the kicker was that bus, that first bus company was a complete scam. So I'm about to sue them on Monday because they, they're still picking up the phone call. And then at one point they claimed they refunded me and they said, it's just caught up in your bank and that's why you haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> I called my bank. Yo, now you gotta get lawyers involved in shit? Well, it's petty court. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. I'm just gonna file a petty court <gasps> thing. Oh but my God. The joke is this pressure on me to find the cheapest living bus, I ended up spending $1,600 that I guess I'll net, like I spent now $4,000. Do you ever feel like anytime you try to save money, yeah. You later on, you're like, I should have just got the first one I wanted because it's I've, for 500 more dollars or whatever it or is. Or can I say what often happens to me? That's happened to me constantly in the wedding. That was my, okay, this is like such silly advice. This is such privileged bullshit advice. But I'm like, the one thing I learned is just get the expensive thing. Because the amount of money I wasted getting something I didn't, like that was just a little bit off that was on sale, final price to save $100 and then I get it and it turns out it's shoes that don't fit and now I can't even return them. Yeah. And I've spent half the money I was gonna spend on shoes, but on shoes that I have to replace now. And like the amount of things that I bought that yeah. weren't the right thing to save money that then like ended up having to be fully, like I think I spent probably $1,500 in total on shit that was unusable. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that doesn't even count the $1,600 on the bus. Oh, so to get to the final thing. So I told my dad, I, w I thought it was obnoxious that I wanted to go to Pony Boy with it being so expensive. Yes. And so my plan was just to pay for that part myself. But then my dad was like, no, I wanna pay for your whole wedding. And so I had to put like a 25% down. And so I was like, okay, well, how about I just, he's, I'm like, how about let's just split it. Um, I just put $7,500 down. So he, I was like, send me $7,500. And then at the end of the wedding, he was like, no, I really want to pay for the whole thing. I'll send you another $7,500 for 15 grand. Yeah. But what he doesn't know is that I didn't put down half. I put down like, like, do you know what I mean? Like I, like, oh. I was too embarrassed because I thought what I wanted was, a, I was like, this is an indulgence. I Wait, felt like Frankie's was a reasonably priced thing for a New York City wedding, but I yeah. think they have this whole second event that was so expensive. Yeah. But it's like what I wanted. And the problem is when you get married at 30, you have your own money. And I'm like, right. I want what I want. And I don't like, so that was like a, like. No, but the, I think it's a really beautiful thing you're doing. It's like a fun secret. Yeah, it's, it's a fun not, secret. It's not a bad, it's because, just like you care about your this... parents and you're so appreciative. Yes. But you respect their like willingness to help you so much that you are going to draw a line for yourself to be yeah. like I cannot anything beyond this is me taking advantage of you yeah and yeah, I really was yeah. like I don't I, I don't know I didn't want to have the fight where they're like no that's too expensive and I don't want to have the fight I don't know I was just like it was like it was too expensive but it was something that I like 
I was like, I can pay for this part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he doesn't. He. That's fine though. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, you shot out fifteen of your own money. That's great. That's fine. And, and can I tell you, I don't fucking that. I had so much fun that night. Yeah, the food I was like, great. The drinks were great. I mean, I think as you get older, you just have to pay for what you want and yeah. like be okay with it. And like, I I think that takes a lot for someone to get there. But as you get older, you're just like, it's fine. Fifteen k, I paid it my own money. It's fine. Everybody had a good time. You know? Yeah, I'm like very. I don't know. Because the last thing you want is like. To be in your honeymoon, like thinking about the money. Yeah, you know? and I, I was like, I didn't, I didn't. This is like, I didn't spend money I didn't have. Yes. I will say, and I think if I had gone into debt, if I think I have not thought about that wedding since the day I left. To be honest, yes. I had so much fun. I loved it so much. We'll have photos forever. Blah blah blah. blah. I have so moved on mentally from it in my life that I think, <laughs> I do think if I was like paying off credit card debt in honor of that wedding for the next year, I would have been like, well, that wasn't worth it. Um, I want to go into analysis and wrap this up because I don't want to yeah. keep you too long. But, you know, this is interesting because it'll it'll sort of I think a lot of this will sort of reflect uh, you, what you've been saying this entire podcast. Like you have this. I don't know. Your, your relationship, your relationship with money is interesting to me because you, you come from like your family who yeah. w- wants to support you financially and emotionally. But but I, I like this sort of respect and uh, appreciation you have for the things you get, you know, well, and so you're not super like you spent. About forty seven hundred on a monthly credit card. That's not okay. But a lot that of that much. is not even okay. Go through it because some of it is not even real. Okay, it's not real. Okay. Yeah. By the way, before we start, is this like a business one or personal one? Because I noticed you had both things on there. It's personal, but I put a lot of my business stuff on it. But then I write off later. Ah, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. So go through because I, there's a big spend that gets fully reimbursed. So that's why. Like, <laughs> well, okay. What do you think your top five categories are for spending? Well, I know that I bought like fourteen hundred dollars of eyewear. Right. That was. Top medical. And that's because um, through my husband, I have this incredible insurance thing where they will pay up to like $20,000 in refunds. Of any medical? Yeah. Or? So anything with SPF gets refunded. Wow. Um, any prescription eyewear gets fully refunded. So I got prescription sunglasses and I had just lost my glasses on my honeymoon. So I needed a new pair of glasses. And it's free. So I went in and I was like, yeah, ball out. Add all that's not even real. <laughs> because... It was ending like the fiscal year for my insurance is September 30th through September 30th. And yeah. I think I spent it like September 29th or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so I was like, fuck, Mac has not. I think we had $18,000 left and whatever. So he was like, go spend go whatever nuts. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, my, yeah. I know that big spend was something because I'll get it. It's fully being reversed. Oh, okay, okay. Other categories. This is just some overview shit before we get to mm-hmm. line by line. But 681 on dining out. I really didn't think that was crazy at all. So something about when I was making like no money as a stand-up comic was I spent very little on rent. I had a really good deal on rent where I was never spending more than like five or six hundred dollars on rent. The spot on Bedford? Yep. That place was really nice. I know. That was like kind of my hack to Five hundred? Because I like took over the lease and I would like Airbnb, not Airbnb, but I do sh- like three to four month rentals for fully furnished. And so I was able to charge a premium for that. Wait, 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 you'd go home or something and rent out your room? No, no, no. no. There was two other rooms. And you just rented it out? It was a one and a half bedroom. The guy who owned it lived in like... Romania and didn't know that Williamsburg had gotten hot. But it was a pretty static price, and I was just like renting out the big room for like. You were six illegally years. renting it out, right? You can't really. I was sublet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had roommates. Mm-hmm. I had roommates that were paying, that were kind of like subsidizing my life, to mm-hmm, be honest. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. listen, it matched the market. People would be like, oh, this is the cheapest thing I found. Yeah. So it wasn't like crazy, but um, that is. So I never paid a lot of money in rent. And then because I was always doing stand up, I ate out all the time, but I never bought clothes. I never bought like makeup so my big expense my whole life has always been eating out okay well i was gonna say it's really not that much we've had people on this podcast 1300 1400 yeah a lot of people in la a lot of seamless a lot of doordash you know oh i never order delivery I did and see i've that. started I did doing see that. um 
making my own coffee most days. Oh, wow. Okay, so then we got shopping at 610. What now, that I includes like Amazon. I didn't know what you bought exactly. We can get into the... Okay. Uh, Rideshare, 530, you know? Uh, really? So what? now that I've moved, I used to... So when I quit my job, I actually stopped taking Ubers altogether and I started biking everywhere. But now that I've moved, me and Ashley both live very far for, apart from each other. Yeah. And it is like... I live in Bed-Stuy and I used to be like an, take an L till 4 a.m. But you don't take the A. No, 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 no. I live, no, no. I mean, where I live, there's like a heroin dealer. You live at, in the Utica A? Uh, no, I live on the Nostrand A. Oh, I, live, I, I used to live off there. But make, I don't want to give away exactly where I live. But yeah, there's yeah, like yeah. around the corner from me between me and the subway. It, it's just like, it's like, it's like I'm like two blocks away from a, the only homeless shelter in New York City where yeah. you're allowed to be on drugs. Yep, 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 and yep. And I don't know, people like shit in front of my, I don't know. I just like, <laughs> And the scary thing about Sutton is that nothing's open after 10 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm somebody that I'm like, I will run to a bodega. If if there's an open bodega, somebody's looking out for me. But nothing is open at that time. And it is, like, I just, I don't know, man. No, I mean, safety's worth it. Safety's worth it, for sure, for sure. And I know. Wow, that isn't crazy to me. I also do a lot of e-biking and stuff. I I did see that. um, I do a lot of. You do all Lyft, no Uber. I was wondering if there was, like, a philosophy behind that. I think um, I went from Uber to Lyft during the Muslim ban thing. Do you remember that? Was Uber anti-Muslim? Yeah. They are? Like openly? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? I do think it was one of those. I think it was like um, a political financial. It was like a divestment Well, you're thing. not the first person I met who did this. Like, it was a boycott thing in 2012. And then it was one of those things where people were like, well, you know, Icon, like Carl Icon is an investor in Lyft and he's not great either. But it was like a something about trump and the muslim right, ban right 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 i know i i've people who use lyft instead of uber there's they have something against uber politically usually and then so it makes sense and then i stayed with lyft because i my credit card gets like 5x points on lyft and then Whoa. also my primary mo- mode of transportation is city biking and you can access city bikes through lyft oh so any okay. so any lyft payment that's like under six dollars is bike is a bike i think i did see a so i do think i have like Probably a hundred dollars. A hundred of those dollars are like biking. Oh, and a lot of those actually, this is from October. Like I'd say two hundred dollars is going to airports, which I'll expense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm. say I probably take five to six Ubers a month. So I would say like one sixth of that is probably e-bikes, and then I would say two hundred dollars of that is like going to Laguardia. Yeah, yeah. And so and that's a seventy-five dollar ride or something, and then right, getting right, home. Right, right. So I would say a lot, like half of that, because I'm surprised because I don't ride share a lot, and it's like a point of pride. But I, when we travel for work, I mm. write it off. Do you have an S-Corp or something? Or LLC? Yeah, we just switched from LLC to S-Corp. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I do that thing where like, I'll, if I pay with my own personal, I will reimburse myself fully. But I still write it off. Yeah, I just haven't. Re- yeah, yeah, I yeah, haven't. Yeah, yeah. No, I like to use my personal because I get all those lift the po- points. I get the, yeah, the credit points. card points. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do think that I personally have probably spent maybe $250 on uh, ride share. Ride share. Got like, it, got yeah, it. Yeah, maybe $10, $25 ones. All right. Well, this is where we get into a little bit of uh, okay. spanking, as we like to call it. Oh you God. spent $355 on dry cleaning September 30th. Okay. What the hell, bro? That was all of our wedding stuff. You dry cleaned your dress? My dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you like supposed a huge... to? I have no idea. Yeah, because it was... I thought you wear it once and you sell it or some shit. I don't fucking know. It was know. covered in dirt. So if you want... Well, if you want to sell it or if you want to preserve it at all, it has to be cleaned. And I cleaned all of Mac's stuff. I cleaned all of my rehearsal dinner stuff. And oh, then... Oh, that makes so much sense. One of the things that we did instead of having a florist is we bought, like, really beautiful table linens. And then I was going to give them all to my friends and family as, like, a keepsake. Yes. But because we had pots of flowers, they all had dirt and stuff on them. 
So I wanted to get them professionally cleaned. So you cleaned a lot of shit. Yeah, I did okay. every piece of like cloth from the, the wedding. wedding. Oh, okay, okay. And it was one of those things where it's like one big expense so that everything could be salvaged. That sal- makes like, sense. This salvaged thousands of dollars of mm-hmm, like clothing mm-hmm. and stuff. Now this is interesting, Claire. Yeah. Two charges of OnlyFans. Listen, I'm a conscientious, ethical. <laughs> I love that. I won't be Your shamed. Your retort starts with conscientious. Keep going. Keep I going. won't be shamed I'm for. <laughs> Paying for porn. That's what you're supposed to do. It's 2023. Are now, you exploiting sex okay, okay. workers? Here I go. respect Here we go. Here we go. October 6, $9. October 25, $4.50. Are those two different creators? I think one is to? a monthly and then one was like a special vid. Now, <laughs> dude, I've fallen for those special vids and it's never worth it for me. I. My experience with OnlyFans is always like, I'm horny. I want to yeah. see it. I click on it. I, I immediately unsubscribe because I only want to see it for 30 days. And then I look through it and I'm like, meh. That's every I time for me. I actually think that OnlyFans has like really um, closed up, like has like lessened my porn consumption. Because Lessen your por- porn consumption. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Because I feel like when I used to do free porn, it's so limitless that like the more you're looking, the more you just glaze over. And then yes. you have to go yes. like down darker and darker holes to feel anything. Yes. I feel like I have that thing where it's like, you know, when like women are in burkas, so like the side of an ankle turns you on yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like actually, I'm not kidding. I feel like it's like rewired my brain. And I'm kind of like bored of this girl actually, but like I've subscribed to one girl that I think is hot. And um, because it's like, it's almost like become a switch now where like I don't need much. And and now because you're paying for it, you're like, I have to make this photo work. Well, it's not even it's just like I think my brain knows like the like just seeing like a cute pick of like it's enough that it's almost what's that Pavlovian, Pavlovian. response. You know, this is good. Where I think it's like I've really Right. It's like a kid who's never had like Coke or yeah. Starburst. It, an apple is enough. Yeah. Right? The kid's like, this is a delicious apple. I like this. I and like actually, this. I really do feel like I have like a healthier, like it takes less because I'm not, I don't have the freedom to just like look at everything all the time and then skip to the bet. Like, you know what I mean? Oh my God, Claire, this is huge. I need to do this because I would pay 15, 20 bucks. Hey, may I say even 40 a month Whoa. just to step away from that darkness. Cause can I, I almost I, say, I think the more you're paying on OnlyFans, the less you're getting. Cause if no, somebody no. can command $40 a month, that means that they're like a special person who's only gonna show boob. That's like a teacher who got fired and like, I bet you wanna know what she looks like <laughs> naked. <laughs> And she only does solo <laughs> stuff, and it's a you know what I mean. It's like a novelty. I hate the solo stuff. But if it's like five ninety nine, they're like tried and true fucking professionals. I was looking at your food expenses, uh-huh. and I wanted to see what the kind of shit you were eating. Oh yeah. What and you know eating? what really um, made me happy? You don't eat a lot of fast food. This is so just honestly because I'm based in LA, I don't interview a lot of New Yorkers, and I wonder if this is just like the New York way that people just do this because it's like too expensive or whatever it is. But everybody we've interviewed in LA has been like. Just DoorDash out the fucking wazoo. It's like inter- I have I've never DoorDash in my life. Yeah, I and mean, my it's... mindset is in New York City, you are always closer in walking distance. That if you call it in, by the time you walk there, you'll have it. And like when I first started dating Mac, he he DoorDashed everything. Mm-hmm. And when I would look at the price of what he was spending and like taxes, fees, tip, yeah, I was like, that's often the price of my meal. And because it was like his account in my mind, I was always like, I'll let you do this, but I'll go pick it up because that saves you so much money. Yeah. And then that's kind of like, now I don't feel bad that you're always paying for my dinner. Cause yeah, like yeah, yeah, you yeah, kind yeah, of broken yeah. even with me picking it up anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then also I've heard businesses like lose. I don't know. I just like, I'm like, it takes you longer to get the food. The food shows up cold. That's a, It's quicker yeah. to just walk and get it. And I love to bop. I'm a big bop. <laughs> 
No, we love we love bopping. I, that's a really good point because in New York, you're right. There's fucking food everywhere, so you can just probably just walk to yeah. it. Whereas in LA, like you can't really walk yeah. to it because you're in the middle of a mountain or something. But, like and that. I, I actually wow. have a philosophical thing against DoorDash and what's the other one? Like Seamless. Seamless. Because you go to restaurants these days, and there's like a thousand dudes out there on their motorbikes waiting for a delivery, and I just think, why do you live in New York City? Why do you live in New York City if you're not going to walk a block away to go to the cool restaurant? Like, if you're just getting everything delivered anyway, live in the fucking suburbs and don't have any culture. Uh, but, like, I think <laughs> I do think it's, like, t- impacting restaurant the restaurant experience for people who sit in, re- in restaurants. And I am, like, what do you want to live in? Like, a Mr. Beast world where we're all sitting at our computer in the suburbs with ghost kitchens? Like, if you don't want to go to the restaurant, why be here? If it's too much for you to, like, the point of living in New York City is you could walk down the street and have, like, an incredible meal from any country in the world. Yes. If you're staying home... Go home. Like, I just like don't. I like it actually. I think like it's really ruined the culture. I think it's like fucked up restaurant experiences. When you go to a restaurant, and it's half an hour to get your food because they're doing ninety other orders for people that are too lazy to walk over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like it eats. Up, I just like. What is it that you? I don't know. I just like don't understand it. I do think like the seamless takeover. Like it's weird. This is cracking me up. Catbird jewelry, three hundred twenty-four dollars. This is a secret. Oh, this is bad. You want me to? You want me to? No, no, no. I'll tell you. But actually, <laughs> that is a very out of character purchase for me, and I hope Mac doesn't listen to this. Yo, what is this? So, Are you a jewelry girly? I didn't even know. No, I for my engagement did not get a wedding uh, engagement ring. I didn't want one. It wasn't important to me, and so Mac instead got me like a nameplate necklace because I always said I wanted a necklace with his name on it because I do so little about him in public like I'm so we're so our own people yeah. when we're not at home kind of thing that I was like I do want like a little something for you I want yeah. so he got me a nameplate necklace and then the week of the wedding I left it at a yoga studio and lost it and I can tell he's like thank god he didn't get me an expensive diamond because I couldn't have replaced it but like I think he's noticed I'm not wearing it, but he hasn't asked, so I went and had to rebuy it, and hopefully I'll just put it back on, and he'll never know. Did it's I- the exact same one. Yeah, uh, but it says Mac on it, mm-hmm. and it's a custom made. Yeah, dude, <laughs> this is juicy, bro. So that's like, but I don't. So think that's that- a really like once in a that was supposed to be a once in a lifetime purchase that were like twice. Not twice in a lifetime. I feel like if he found out, he wouldn't even be that mad. But this is but very I funny. Feel really, I really wait, like, wait, you're so full of cute secrets. Like this <laughs> and the dad thing. Like you really, I mean, I know earlier you're like, my whole thing is I have a bad vibe. But I think this is why I always fucked with you because people may say that, but I only see this side of you. I only yeah. see the Claire who like <laughs> I'm trying, is baby. empathetic and is like try- and worried about other people's feelings and like doing this kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're so, a great person. And I have a lie ready to go because I think it'll <laughs> get- like, stop! What's your lie? What's your I story? I think it'll be ready right around Thanksgiving. So I think I can say like, oh, I left it oh, at my wait, parents' wait. house. You're saying you ordered it yeah. in October 19th, so you don't even have it yet. No, it takes six weeks to make. Oh my God, this is so risky. So, But I think I haven't seen my parents since the wedding. And I'll see them on Thanksgiving, and I think I'll be ready right around that time. So I think when I put it back on, and Mac will be like, oh, where has that been? I'll be like, oh, I left it at my parents' house. Because there is something like, I feel sad that I lost the one here. I like feel so, I like can't believe I did it. And like, it's a mistake. And like, I left jewelry. Where do you think you left it? I know, I left it at the Core Power Yoga in Williamsburg. Can you call? I called, I went, they didn't have it. I think what happened is so dainty. It's such a small, tiny little gold necklace that, like, with the lights off, somebody probably just scream. mopped it up and threw it out. Yeah. Because I've left stuff before. I've left ring. Like, I've, like I'm always in there being like, ah, take I don't. it off, and then you do yoga, and you put well, it back I, on. I always wear it, thinking I can just do the yoga through it, and then halfway through, I go, oh, I was getting caught in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go, I'll just remember it. But by the end of yoga, you're putting away blocks, you're putting away mats, you're yeah, wiping yeah, yeah, down, yeah. you're exhausted, you want water, you want to check your phone, you forgot. I love that. Also, um, it's really, it's really nice that you did like a necklace instead of like a tattoo or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, way yeah, I could yeah. take it off and lose it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my well, God. I always say, I'll get a tattoo for you. And he's like, that's okay. You don't have to. And I'm like, Oh, I want you. And he's like, well, I don't really want that. <laughs> I think that's it. Claire, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh my God, thanks for having me. Thank you for fucking bearing this. It's hard to do this alone, but thank you so much for doing it. You were so fun to talk to. Natural. Um, where can our fans find you and your work? It's my big thing, Let as you've know. heard. Let Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Um, on all platforms, all socials, all podcasts. And then I'm Claire the Scare, like everywhere. Check it out, check it out. Uh, I've also guested on the Ali Wong episode, yeah, so go back and check it out. You're going to be one of our first interviews on our new oh, project. Oh, I can't wait. We're I so can't wait to do about. that. So definitely check them out. It's really, really good. I always learn so much. This is it's an incredible podcast. Uh, please follow us on all the socials at the Q- at Cash Cuties Pod. You can also follow me on TikTok and Instagram at the Fumiabe. That's C-H-G-F-U-M-I-A-B-E. Uh, come see me on tour. Tickets at Fumiabe.com. I'm coming to Irvine and Dallas, and I think San Francisco sometime in the winter. And uh, shout out to our uh, sound engineer, Domagoy our video editor, Matias, and our analyst, Holly Sandler. Thank you guys so much for helping us out, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, spend your money wisely, or as Steffi would say, or have fun. Bye.